Hi, it's Jean Nathan. This is Crosstown Conversations. And um, you already know how great this season is uh, for us here in New Orleans, but um, I'm going to add a little bit to what you know with um, interviews uh, with Mark Romig from the Tourism Commission, aka New Orleans and Company, and Carol Morton from the Mayor's Film Office. And you will find out a whole other level of how great this season is for us. who has the incredible responsibility and opportunity, I have to say, of handling all matters having to do with the film and video and media industries in New Orleans for the Mayor's Office of Cultural Economy. And um, this is just a, a, a beautiful but very scary <clears throat> responsibility because that industry is so important and so important to us. And right now we are um, in, a, in a, a moment when um, we're faced with a, the effects of a, a massive strike of, of, of script writers, of writers all over the country. And so every community is affected by it, but ours in particular, because it's such a big part of um, our economy. So Carol's going to reassure us that our our position in the in the universe of of media is assured, uh, primarily because so much work now. She it was telling me in a, a little pre conversation is is based on the importance of locations. That locations have become kind of the context, the driving context for filmmaking, different from the days when everything happened on a on a studio lot in Hollywood. So um, tell me what's going on. Tell me uh, 
a little bit. Let's let's just tell people what this strike is all about because there's a tendency for people to turn off at the idea of a strike and not really consider what's going on for the people who are in it. And I, I loved hearing Stephen uh, Colbert say, I'm a member of the union and what they want is, is not unreasonable at all. It is reasonable. And so it's important for people to understand that. And then we'll talk more about um, the growth of the industry here in New Orleans and our future. Okay. So updating with Carol Morton. This is what about our third or fourth update that we've done, I think, over the years. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for having me and providing me with a platform and an opportunity to talk about this a little bit. It's a, it's a really critical time, I believe, in our industry, not just for the writers' union, but an industry kind of a a shakeup in the industry, I would say. It's a it's a really? crossroads, is what I would say. Wow. So, yeah, just addressing um, uh, the issue of location filming and its growth in terms of the importance of it and the power of it in the film industry ecosystem. So, uh, quite not that long ago, the really big piece of the industry was filming generally television shows in studios and as we have moved on from that and what the consumer demands and what this consumer is really interested in is something that's a bit more interesting if you think of white lotus and the incredible locations that they have shot two seasons on which is actually become really a part of the story. It's a part of the story. It's the same thing if you watch Interview with a Vampire, which was shot in New Orleans. Where else would that be filmed but in New Orleans? Also filmed on our stages at the ranch, but a lot of it was filmed on locations. Made Fair Witches, same thing, filmed in New Orleans. Um, so Straight from the, at, at the um, uh, Benacci House. Yes, yes. Locations, yeah. yes, it shot at the Bonacci House. It also shot at the Gallier House on Royal Street. It actually, Interview with a Vampire filmed at 72 different physical locations in the city of New Orleans. They shot with us for about eight months. It, it takes a long time to put together a uh, TV series like that. There's a lot of episodes and they're with us for quite a while and we work with them for even longer than that. We can we probably worked with Interview with the Vampire, with the executives of AMC when they first reached out and said we're interested in shooting this in New Orleans all the way through rap. So it's a lot of different phases that we're involved in. We're not involved in just one phase of production. But to talk a, a bit about the writer strike. So this writer strike is um, actually I think a beginning of what I call the post-pandemic era of filmmaking and the studio system. So of course we all know that during the pandemic an enormous amount of content was shot because the demand was so great. What were people doing? They were at home watching their streaming services. So obviously before the pandemic, the streaming services were gaining um, subscriptions and viewership, but it really peaked during the pandemic era. And coming out of the pandemic, the 
different sectors of the industry are all reevaluating where they are. So the studios are asking, do we produce too much content? Do we spend too much money on it? In the city of New Orleans last year, um, production spent $900 million in the New Orleans region. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. And that was last year. Right that was yeah. So that was in um, 2022. In 2021, they spent a billion, a cold billion dollars. So um, when I first started in the film industry in 2009, I think we did 165 million. So we are in a different we are in different stratosphere in New Orleans. We are a top production hub hosting a lot of production, both films and television shows. We have enormous amount of commercials. We have um, a lot of music videos. We, we, we're hosting, we have reality shows, we're hosting all of it. So it's, it's great for our economy. It's a lot of money for our economy. But to just um, address what the concerns are about the the writer's guild. So the writer's guild, all, all of the film industry is unionized. It has been since the 1930s or 40s. And so there's the writer's guild, there's SAG-AFRA, that's the actor's guild. There's the DGA, which is the director's guild. There's IATSE, which is below the line, meaning people that are below the producers and at a level below the directors and the actors. There are um, a art department, or the art guild. Or there's, a, there's an art guild. There's a location manager guild. So there are a lot of guilds, and the guilds are there, and unions. There are guilds and unions, and that is to ensure that there's equal pay as productions are filming in the United States and in some other parts of the world, there are some unions. Now it's not in every place in the world, but uh, th there are a lot of unions in Europe. So, and they're the same unions, they're the same as ours. So the right, the, the what happens is that each of the unions sign a contract with a collective of the studios and the streaming services. That organization is called the AMPTP, the AMPTP, and the AMPTP represents the collective of all the studios and streaming services when there are um, contract disputes. Each of the unions sign a contract with both the, both the traditional studios and streaming services to establish a range of rates to establish um, work hours, to establish um, their benefits, and, and to ensure that when a production is filming and it's a Warner Brothers production that they're paying in to the union benefits. And so the negotiations begin about, in this case, and generally that's um, when this occurs, two to three months before the expiration of the contract, in this case with the Writers Guild Association contract. So, um, so they entered into the negotiations. It's a very intense process. It always is. And um, their date was actually May 1st when the contract expired. So the negotiations went into the day before, the Sunday before, and they broke it off and said they just couldn't come to an agreement. So the writers um, are picketing 
they're picketing the studios primarily in New York and Los Angeles. Um, they have a picket line. They're also picketing at some of the studios in Los Angeles, primarily in Los Angeles, not here. I mean, we're a production hub satellite, so they're not they're not going to disrupt anything here. But the idea is that they don't want any filming to continue. And essentially, most, if not all, filming has shut down. Certainly all the um, nighttime talk shows had to shut down immediately because the writers are writing their right. scripts on a daily basis. So yeah. they're, they're done, they're out. Now, some of the, we have a feature film here um, that is shooting and a television series that is shooting and they're moving forward only because they have their scripts completed. That is not always the case because um, completion is one thing, but you also need rewrites. Yeah. So it just depends on how you're feeling about that. But what, what is at stake here? So the writers are, are requesting an assurance that their residual payments will be, that they will be honored and that they will be paid the residuals that they're supposed to be paid. And As everybody involved in productions uh, does get and want their residuals, that's a key part of their income. Yes, so um, not everyone does. So it depends. The writers do, some other trades do, below the line, like the camera people and yeah. art department people generally do not get residuals. It's the creatives so, and it's so it's kind of like royalties. Yes, it's kind of like royalties. create the yeah. material, yeah. Yes, yes, okay. yes. So, um, so anyway, the writers are probably the oldest sector of the industry who has who have relied on residuals. But what has happened is that the streaming services are legally um, tech companies, so they haven't been paying them or they pay oh. them at very low rates oh. and have not, there's not been an assurance of that. And as a result, a lot of the studios have kind of followed suit and not really paid at the rate that no, they okay. disagree. Okay. Right. So that's one um, issue that they have. The, the more, to me, the larger issue, and this is going to be a surprise, I think, to a lot of people, but they, the writers um, are concerned that they will be replaced by AI. So artificial intelligence, <clears throat> because it's actually happening. So the studios and um, the streaming services have successfully worked with writers to, to come up with the concepts of the story and or the script, load them into AI and AI writes the scripts. They write all of the scripts based on the storyline. And so, so yes, yes. And so the writers want a protection of that. They want safeguards, they want protection because the writers feel that this is ultimately probably pretty quickly an existential of their work. Totally existential. <laughs> yeah, existential. It's existential. It will change everything of, I mean, directly for them, but ultimately questioning 
the um, lack of human creativity to be involved in driving the entire industry and it to be replaced by a computer. And ultimately not just the, the film, video, uh, media industry, but think about the impact on the music industry. Mm -hmm. Yes. songwriting and uh, choreography, all of the creative pursuit, pr pursuits, yes. even visual arts are, are um, definitely in play to see what this AI means. And I, I'll tell you honestly, yeah. for the longest time, I tried to pretend I never heard those two initials and I had nothing to do with it and I didn't have to worry about it. And then I read about three columns last over the last two weeks by people like Thomas Friedman uh -huh. basically I got the wake-up call and I said what say what this is we can't spend the whole show on this so I'm, I'm going to stop us right here yeah. and we go back to a kind of update in general on uh, New Orleans and our place in the universe because I do have another issue I, I really want to talk about and that is mm -hmm the competition between cities in America and how the incentives that we provide for production in our market are absolutely essential to our competitiveness. And I've been reading too much about things that are happening in Atlanta that tell me I'm wrong, definitely got a, if not a jump start, got a kick in the pants, no, kick in the pants is not the right expression, got, got a, uh, um, real a lift from our last dispute over um, incentives, which gave the industry pause about our commitment to the industry. And we watched as a lot of industry moved into Atlanta. Talk about existential again. And Atlanta, of course, has so much more money entrepreneurially in their, their business economy than we do. So that what what brought it home for me was reading an article about United Artists opening a um, stu a uh, uh, art gallery in yeah. um, in Atlanta and claiming Atlanta as the source of culture in the South and where it was born. And I said again, say what? That culture was born in Atlanta, forgetting totally the history of jazz and all the other music forms coming out of New Orleans. So that's yet another. I mean, I think this, there's no doubt on so many levels, not just in this industry, but in, in, in all industries and in all aspects of really life on the planet today, there is a huge shift going on in how things work. And how we come out of this, I've seen, you know, there's another column that I read about. It's neat, you know, some say it's gonna, it's doomsday and some say it's gonna be just great and it's neither, it's complicated. And um, change always is, but change is in play. So Carol, in your job and in, 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 in looking out for New Orleans's future as a creative center, um, how are you thinking about these challenges and mm -hmm. what we have to do to continue to compete? Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, everything you said, I agree with. And yes, it's a great question. And obviously the city of New Orleans is known around the world as a cultural center. And I don't think that will change, but because culture has become so attractive, 
around the world, I think, and a lot of it is through the technology medium that we have been able to even spread more about our culture. I mean, people are online all the time. It's very easy to get a video of the Mardi Gras Indians and things like that. So it, it, on an access level, it has really, I think, helped our city a lot. But, and I think the but, the but is a really important conversation to have. The world's changing. And as you noted, Jean, very well, the world is changing pretty rapidly. We've gone through changes through human history. And I think this is a very rapid one because now culture and these industries, which are film, television, media arts. So these um, are impacted almost more than most other industries, but I really can't speak to others. Um, but certainly this industry is being turned on its head in terms of technology. So what do we need to do? So where we are in the, in the industry, 38 states now have film tax credits. The, because of, I believe, this is my opinion, the shift in the industry has 100% and others and many other people more learned than me agree and write about it has been away from Los Angeles as the epicenter of film, filming and television and moved into the world across the United States, into Canada and around the world, because it's more interesting. It's, it's, it's more um, authentic. It's so much content is being produced now that you don't want the same old, same old. And so people, if they want a desert, they don't want to build a desert on stages. They want to be on a desert. If they want the look of a city of New Orleans and they want to be in New Orleans, they don't want to be in a fake part of New Orleans, I go to another city that has that. So what do we need to stay competitive? Obviously we have a beautiful city with a lot of diverse looks, a lot of diverse locations. Often productions film here, um, the Will Smith film Emancipation came here to New Orleans and, and their production office was here and they utilized a lot of our businesses and a lot, the director, they were all staying inside of New Orleans, but they didn't film not one location and they weren't on any stages in New Orleans. They were in other areas, in Laplace, on the North Shore and other places. If you need a rural look, you're not gonna shoot inside of the city of New Orleans. But it's a great thing because it provides a diversity of locations, which attracts the productions here. And if they're in New Orleans region, they're always spending a lot of money in New Orleans itself. So, um, that is the thing and that's that something before you leave that just quickly i know yeah. we can't reiterate this enough because people just don't really understand it there's a certain jealousy i think of people in the film industry because everybody wants to be where the celebrities are and they don't realize the number of people in so many different professions culinary um uh carpentry electrical, on and yeah. on and on, all of the people in so many different trades that um, have opportunities that come as a result of film production being in town. So I just wanted to get that in. Yeah, um, and they're all unionized. So all of the trades are unionized. And so people have the insurance of retirement and healthcare. 
that is a really important part of the industry. And it's all the trades. It, it, we have two sides to any film production. It's the creative side, which would be the director, the actors, the cameraman, and the art department, and then costumes. And then you go on the other side, there's every trade that you can imagine. There right. are carpenters, there are set builders who are really like home builders. It's construction and um, it's electrical. It's at anything, locations, it's anything that you can imagine is a part of a film set. And on average, one film or television series has about 200 in their workforce. Wow. And, 90% and going, going 90 back to the question of a competitiveness, I would yeah. imagine that the quality of our workforce and the, mm -hmm. let's say the flexibility and the the willingness to work hard, which I think is true of us. We do like to party and have fun, but we also realize that without working hard, we cannot make it. And um, th this is no cushy place. This is, you gotta, you right. gotta pay your dues and work. So I, I would assume that the quality and the commitment of our workforce is part of our competitiveness. Absolutely, and thank you for saying that because it's an honoring our incredible workforce. So we can crew up to about 18, maybe 20 productions, major wow. production, major film and TV productions. And that's about 200 crew on each set or each um, production. We can also um, provide background and speaking parts to as many as five or 600 people on a film or television show. So wow. it's a lot of people that are being employed. And yes, our crew is known as one of the best in the United States, our crews. Really? I cannot, yes. I cannot tell you how many studio executives, producers will comment on the depth of experience crew, because we've been doing this for so long, but also just really good crew who are committed to working hard and know their jobs and reliable. Yes, it's, it, it, it is. It's a huge attraction for and, us. And you know, I, I have to assume as we are becoming um, smarter and more sensitive to our diversity in our culture, that our higher percentage of black population in the city, African population in the city is another major competitive advantage. Am I wrong? It is. No, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. And um, the film office, my office partners with Novak New Orleans Video Access Center. And we have been training and funding training workforce training for below the line entry level jobs for the last 10 years. And we can train up to 100 people or so a year, usually, and, and wow. Jean, that's a really great comment. I appreciate that comment, but it's younger people. Anybody can really get into the film industry. You just really have to be a hustler and you have to be that kind of person who can be on set at five o'clock in the morning on time early who is willing to learn and um, get trained. And it's amazing. I've seen this industry change people's lives. And one of our commitments and the interest in the film industry is to train a diversity of people, to train more women for jobs that were previously held by men, and also just to train. Uh, and I, I'd like to say to train a workforce that looks more like our city 
which is an incredibly diverse city. So that we are committed to that. Of course, we take um, generally the best people that we can find and train them. We also help them to find jobs on film productions once they graduate. Um, it's, a, it's a treasured and a very valued partnership that we have in commitment to train people for jobs in the industry. I can't imagine too many people in my life who I get more educated by than Carol Morton, ah! our film ambassador, film and video <laughs> and streaming ambassador in the city of New Orleans. Carol, it's I could go on for two more hours, but I'm out of time. But oh, okay. I, we'll, yeah. we'll come back and, and yes. you'll just remember me and uh, call me and update me. And certainly as things progress with the strike and with, uh, and again, we, we realistically, we have to say that things are shut down. There's no yes. doubt about it. So we're yes. going to have to get through a, a rough patch here. But boy, if there's any city that knows how to get through rough patches, I don't know Look. what that city is, if not us. So we'll, we'll get through yes. this. Thank you yes, so, yes. so much as always. And I really look forward to our next conversation. Yes, great. Yes, we'll have a follow-up. Thank you, Jean. Thank you. Thanks so much. Was there any key point you felt that we didn't make? Well, just I want to double down on that. Um, this is happening. This is a national and even the, the British writers have gone into lockstep. And so that union is also on strike. So I think it could spread to other parts of Canada and other other um, countries, but I don't know that. But I do think once we come back and once this is, this very important issues are resolved, uh, we will we will be going and at an incredible pace of hosting production again. So I have nothing but confidence in this. I don't know where that expression gangbusters came from, but <laughs> I know it's going to be great. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. You keep on keeping on.
have Mark Rummick joining us today. And, and, and I love how this works because I always call Mark when there's good news about what's going on in the tourism industry. And he is the good news guy and shares with us um, kind of the exciting news about what's going on with the tourism industry. And, and right now, as you can imagine, we're going gangbusters because we just have, I mean, the French Quarter Festival was at the top of its game this year. And um, Jazz Fest was, uh, despite a little bit of a rain soaking that always has a kind of, you know, a, a little bit of sexiness to it. Everybody gets drenched and there's a certain value to that. Um, but uh, there's always some act that really uh, plays up to it. And I, I don't remember who it was this year, but one of the, one of the major acts really just sort of played it up. And um, it's just it's just an amazing time of the year, uh, you know, before the heat really sets in. And then we just have a whole summer of festivals. And if there, if you can think of, I think, do we have a do we have a, a a festival for potato chips? I know we have it from French fried potatoes. Yeah, not yet, but I would imagine it's coming down the pike. You never it's know. Coming down the pike, right? Well, give me um, give me sort of an update on uh, where we are. Um, again, I, I, I'm expecting to hear some good news, but we always have our challenges too. The, the uh, strike in the film industry is something obviously that's going to have an impact, um, but hopefully that won't go on for too long because uh, nobody wants to see that uh, stretch out. Um, so what's happening? Well, like you said, it's finally springtime and that means festival season. Uh, we just finished saying goodbye to Hoda and Jenna. They were here with NBC Today, today with Hoda and Jenna. That was a fantastic two days of uh, positivity, uh, underscoring the great music, the great food, the great sights that came live from Jackson Square. They they were with Irma Thomas and Wanda Ruzan and John Goodman and Trombone Shorty. and it's just it was a great um, a great opportunity we as new orleans and company actually hosted them here we brought them here uh, we basically paid for them to come here to do their show because we know the value of them uh yeah. broadcasting out around the nation as you well know in your experience um and then as as you said you know the here's jazz fest uh going on just so many decades of great experiences for people not only from this region but also nationally and internationally uh, and, then, and also not just on the stages of the Jazz Fest itself, but literally all over town. All over town, all over town. And you can feel the spirit. Uh, you can sense it. I mean, right outside your front door, Gene, you you, uh, you and Bob see it every day over the last couple of days, yeah. and a couple of weeks, I should say. But, you know, there's a lot happening coming up this summer. And one of the biggest things is the uh, reopening of the aquarium. Uh, they have combined the insectarium into the aquarium. They've expanded the footprint. What a great I've, idea! I've done a I've done a tour already, a construction tour. It is going to be it's going to be not like nothing you've ever seen. It's not your grandmother's aquarium, believe me. You know that opened back in the early '90s, um, and it was one of the top-rated aquariums in the nation. And I think you'll see this happening once again. And it also helps kind of build out that riverfront development between the Riverwalk, Spanish Plaza, now with the RTA ferry terminal uh, redone so that you can have a clear pass all the way over in front of the aquarium over to Oldenburg Park. 
Uh, it's massive. Yeah, I hadn't and really, hadn't really uh, thought hard about that. So that's that's really interesting because yeah. that's always been an important location. Um, really going all the way back to the days when that whole area was called Bulbansha, which is a term we're getting to know more and more, the Native American expression for that area, which was a trading grounds for the different tribes that came together. So it's always been about, you know, all the different kinds of people who come together. But the entrance to it was always kind of what, where? Yeah, exactly. And now, and now with the Four Seasons completed its renovation of the ITM building, the new exhibit View Orleans, which you have not, if you have not seen that, gives you a true uh, sense of the history of that river and why it means so much to us. It, it draws you down there to the foot of Canal Street. And um, again, to your point, it, it, it's always been a major uh, spot for New Orleans. And it, I think this will help continue that as well. If Mark, do you remember during the World's Fair when we did a news conference there and we had uh, somebody playing uh, Bienville and somebody playing the Native Americans who greeted him, and we sort of reenacted the uh, dis quote discovery of um, New Orleans. Yeah, the, was that the, the, the one year to go when we had the guy tightrope across the river? It wasn't that? the same. No, it wasn't done the same time as that. It was separate from that. It was. It was just one of those. Um, yeah, I know. Will know, and Scott came uh, in for that news one. conferences that I tried to, uh, you know push up the visual. we had so much excitement that's going to be another show we need to talk about the 40th anniversary of the world's fair absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. But some other good news we have the lewis armstrong new orleans international airport received the top industry award uh, for best airport in north america uh that's that's a Who'd huge who to thunk yeah here we are and we, we're still getting that flyover completed and once once that's done by early next year uh that that whole transportation um the nexus into the airport will be completed and which will be fantastic uh so the airport is just again a great gift that we've given to ourselves and yeah and i have to say it really does give you a sense of pride when you see it because um for such a long time it was kind of like a a real sort of i won't say second rate but just not a very interesting uh regional hub yeah it was pieced now together it, it, right? it's really up there with the international um mm -hmm. uh, Air, air, air uh, port. So uh, it's it's really it's a destination. Uh, you know, it's an air, interesting. An airport has become a destination, yeah. and it really is a destination um, with the food and beverage outlets and the ease of TSA. Um, yeah, it's 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 good. And you know, um, New Orleans has received a couple of great honors like that, uh, and most recently, a Far magazine for the month of April named New Orleans as one of the top ten places to visit in the world for the month of April, mainly because of the festivals, mainly because of French Quarter Fest and Jazz Fest, but that's quite a ranking. And that- Well, a far magazine, a lot of people probably are not that familiar with it, but I worked with, with you and others on that a couple of years ago. And um, it is for people who are uh, constant travelers. Right. So it really, it really hits an important market it does like to get from here to there and, and and we were listed with rome jordan spain iceland and french polynesia and new orleans i, I get the wrong part the iceland part is is kind of surprising it's on my bucket list <laughs> uh, yeah and then TripAdvisor 2023 TripAdvisor traveler's choice best of the best series new orleans was recognized as one of the best food destinations in 2023 
as we all know, right? It's like, we okay, we take yeah. that. We, we, we go with that. And then Southern Living, Best of the South issue in April, uh, last last month's issue, uh, featured our our friend Coda Copy and why she loves New Orleans. And if you have not read a story that will bring joy to the yeah. It is fantastic. I'll put that in my newsletter. Yes. With, yeah. Yes. Southern Living's Best of the South issue. Fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, again, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the only challenge right now with the food scene in New Orleans is that there are so many new restaurants with very creative, innovative strategies. It's not your same old gumbo and, um, you know, jambalaya. It is just all kinds of new interpretations Fusion of, of regional cuisine yes. and others. It's, it's, it's um, it, you know, it's why I think people come in, they, they have a certain itinerary and then they realize they haven't done everything and they're going to come back. And that's why we have about 60% of our travelers are repeat visitors, which is a very high. Hey, Mark, do you have any idea what percentage of people who visit New Orleans actually choose to come back and live here? Because you have so many people who, when they come, they say, oh, my God, I love it here. I just want to move here. I do not have that percentage. And that's something I'm sure um, I, we can get for you. Uh, Michael Hecht with GNO Inc. Uh, has has a, uh, a marketing effort to bring people here who are working hybrid. You know, you can work anywhere in the nation now. Um, and why not live in a city that has uh, so much culture and, and opportunities to experience life and to, right. and to do things? So, so that's a good that's a good question. We'll get to the bottom of that. I mean, I that's a storyline that really occurred to many of us. I know it did to me like 30 years ago, but it was a question of it really settling in and enough people becoming familiar with what New Orleans was all about. Because you know what? In a way, it actually took Katrina to break through the old image of New Orleans as kind of the birth of Dixieland, right? It was, it was a, a very old fashioned concept. And it, and it took all that coverage of what was going on here contemporaneously that um, uh, really helped young people understand that this was a cool place to be now. Right, and you could really do something beyond yourself. You could be part of something that was bigger than yourself. Um, we also are hosting a number of meetings uh, this spring. We've got the national uh, fundraising professionals. We've got what this, is that, uh, by the way. That I, I just saw that for the first time because I haven't been really studying the specific dates. I don't have in front of me, but we have that group. We have the Association for Research and Vision and Ophthalmology, the American Clean Power Association, and the Heart Rhythm Society. So those groups bring in uh, a number of people that take the hotel rooms. They're eating in the restaurants. They're having special events. They're using all of the elements that make New Orleans built to host the AV, the uh, the, the florists, and, and it, it helps boost the economy in a very strong way. So it's important that we continue bringing these uh, uh, groups in, no matter what size they are. I'm anticipating and hoping that I'll uh, be talking a little bit later today with a couple of the film industry people, but we do have that challenge of um, the strike and I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate the impact of the strike. Um, so um, how are you all addressing that? Well, we're watching the legislation, obviously, um, as, it, as it relates to what happens with our tax credits, and that's different than the strike. But, you know, the film industry is so important to our local spending, uh, not only in our community, but, you know, towns across Louisiana benefit greatly when a production crew comes in and they're buying wood and 
you know, lumber and all sorts of other uh, items to build sets uh, and food and, and hiring and, people, yeah, to make hiring them. people to to build things and to 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 be the the lighting, the, the gaffers, and so forth. So yeah. I think um, the, the strike we obviously would like to see it end quickly um, so that it, it doesn't have a long term effect. But our focus right now is to make sure that we have. Uh, this bill gets through the um, the legislature in a shape that makes it still an incentive for people to bring their business here. Mm-hmm. Well, what's coming up now? I, I did notice that big announcement about your October plans. I was just really blown away by that. And needless to say, I want to know more about how folks can get involved in that. We certainly at the Creative Alliance would love to be involved in that. So give me a little bit of a heads up. Yeah, on so we uh, we have uh, decided to focus the month of October on music, even though music happens in our city 365, 24-7. We thought we'd use the elements of the things that are happening in October to draw attention to the fact that uh, the gift that New Orleans gave to the rest of the world really is our music, uh, along with our cuisine. But music plays such a strong uh, place in that. Uh, you know, we start the month with NOLA by NOLA, which is our now annual festival of club venues. We'll have probably 50, I love that thing. It's a great 50 idea. or more club venues participating, providing all sorts of music, over 300 shows in a two-week period. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll end with a, a music con, which is a conference of the music industry at the end of October. In the middle of that, you've got a number of festivals that feature music. Uh, and we're still in the development stage of what other things that we can highlight but again, it'll, it'll help raise the, the level of awareness about New Orleans and the, the fact that this is one of the original original American art forms, uh, probably the original American art form is jazz, and it emanated out of New Orleans. But there's so many other subgenres of music that we'll be able to talk about and highlight. So more to come on that, but we're excited for that. The month of August, we highlight museums. We call that Museum Month. And the museum is so bloody hot outside. You well, really and the, that's right. They're air conditioned. But, you know, you can buy a membership in one museum and and, and gain entrance into some 40 other museums. Um, so, again, 40? another opportunity 40 to, bring museums? People, that's yeah, wow. to bring people into the city, plus enjoy, you know, as a citizen, I would love to enjoy that opportunity. And we've got culinary again. That's the special program we run with the restaurants in August. Uh, some 80 plus restaurants participate in that with some set set pricing, some value pricing on the uh, meals, brunches, dinners, and lunches. Uh, we're celebrating Restaurant Week New Orleans in, in June with the Louisiana Restaurant Association. You've got Essence coming. Uh, it's just an amazing uh, list of, of things that will be happening. And again, all about bringing spending into our retail, into our community so that it can sustain and grow jobs. I think it's also important that an event, for example, like essence really pulls in a demographic that um, doesn't necessarily get the full exposure to the city. And Definitely. so that really expands that that what we're so known for, our um, very mixed uh, uh, crowd of folks that uh, came here and developed this area and, and continue to this day to be the um, the, the uh, core of our of our yes. constituencies that it's 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 such a various group of folks that are involved 
So endorsing and growing that is really important. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people really know enough about Essence because of course a lot of New Orleanians kind of that, uh, I, one thing I've discovered uh, being a reformed Yankee and living in the South is that whereas in the North, we, we'd start our vacations in July, here they really start in June, which has to do with when school returns, which is earlier right. than, uh, in the North. And so, um, you know, it, it's it's really things are are already uh, kicking in. Uh, excuse my um, chorus from the uh, Blue Healer. Who That's okay. Very, That's all right. Uh, announcer. He's he's like you, Mark. He's an announcer. If somebody comes to the door, he's going to make sure we all know about it. Life is good that way. I do want to have a show with you about the 40th anniversary of the World's Fair. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be exciting. And then um, we I have a lot of old video that I think is primarily sitting. <laughs> Uh oh, here he comes. <laughs> Can uh, uh, excuse me? Hey, I'm on. I'm on television. <laughs> sort of, kinda. All right. Hey. Come here. Come here. Did you ever see a blue healer, Mark? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know something. Um. So yeah. No. It's uh. It, it's really important that we are able to bring in all, all these different diverse groups of people. And Juneteenth. That's that's another one that most people are not that aware of. And that brings in a lot of people. Yeah, and our social media team will be activating around events around Juneteenth and, and any of the other festivals. And if any of your viewers have information that they can share with us about events that they're doing we'd like to help amplify uh, because it it involves our community and it brings people together uh, they can send it to me at mark at neworleans.com mark at neworleans.com that's right m-a-r-k at neworleans.com uh, it's wonderful working out of your home until the phones are ringing and the that's all right we, we have so many more opportunities our, for this too cue. but um uh, what haven't i asked about that's uh, important on your uh, radar that you want to just drop drop on us as we uh, uh acknowledge well we'll we know we have a new we have a new president ceo and walt leger who is just a bundle of uh of energy and and thinking and he, he seems is, so upbeat he is very much of a um of a of an ambassador. He's from the area. He grew up in St. Bernard Parish. He went to Jesuit. Uh, he has uh, been involved at the state legislative level. Um, he has been involved in prison for many years, and now we have him as our leader, and uh, it's just great to have the energy that he, he's bringing to the table. And yours, and that of uh, some of the returnees like Kelly Schultz, who came Kelly back. Kelly Schultz, Jeremy Cooker, Yep. Uh, my sister Mary Beth is now working yep. here. Mary Beth Romig Haskins. Um, you've got a convention sales team that is probably the best in the business that is constantly out around the country uh, talking about the, the great things that New Orleans can offer groups and, and associations working in, in conjunction with the convention center staff. So it's a it's so Mark, a, are you going to be out at the Jazz Fest? I'm going to hopefully get out there on Sunday. All right. Well, yeah. we'll look for you. All right. <laughs> we'll see uh, 200,000 people that'll probably be out there. Yeah, really. I'll look for you too. Just give my best to Bob and, um, and thanks will. for uh, taking some time with me. Thank you. Thank you very much. As always, you always give us the full story. Will you take care? Okay. Talk be to you careful. soon. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. She love you like I never could 
understand you, honey. Does she help you like I never would? I can feel my inside shaking. Dear, I know your heart is breaking. Now you've got to set me free. I can't think of um, a more important uh, and promising time in the city's history as a creative center than right now. Strike or no strike. And hopefully that strike works out well for uh, the people who work in the industry here and elsewhere. Um, but we're going to come out of this, as, as Carol Morton just said, um, and as Mark Romick indicated, uh, stronger than ever. And um, enjoy the weekend at uh, Jazz Fest. Enjoy the party. Enjoy all the creativity. And um, let's all keep on keeping on. This is Gene Nathan for Crosstown Conversations. And we'll talk next week. But honey, now, won't you do it for me?